0: Welcome back to episode number 223 of the Dust Safety Science Podcast. This is a podcast where we're building a global community around process safety and industries handling combustible dust. I'm your show host, Dr. Chris Cloney. In today's episode, we have a very special replay from the 2023 Global Dust Safety Conference. In this replay, we are covering the history of the combustible dust National Emphasis Program. We're doing that with Jeffrey Wanko, Director of the Office of Chemical Process Safety and Enforcement Initiatives at the Occupational Safety and Health Administration. This is a replay from what we call the fireside chat at the end of day one from the Global Dust Safety Conference. In this chat, we covered the National Emphasis Program on combustible dust here in North America and in particular in the United States. We talked about the past of OSHA's involvement with combustible dust, the present initiative to re-release the combustible dust National Emphasis Program, and where Jeff sees things going with his team and with the National Emphasis Program and how that relates to combustible dust safety, National Fire Protection Agency, U.S. Chemical Safety Board, and many others we talked about in the discussion. So in this first half of the discussion, we covered sort of the past, the rear-facing, looking backwards, talking about the history of OSHA and combustible dust safety in the United States. And we sort of took the timeline as starting in 2003 when we had the Hayes Lemmers, West Pharmaceutical and CTA Acoustics combustible dust explosions that were investigated by the U.S. Chemical Safety Board. Now, it's important to note that we're not the first combustible dust incidents in North America. I've covered this before in the podcast, uh, over 100 years of explosions going back to pre-1900s. But this is really the kickoff of the most recent, what I call renaissance in combustible dust. So over the last 20-year period, where there's been a heightened amount of activity, heightened focus and increase in combustible dust That really hadn't been seen since the 80s and the grain handling standards since that it came out. So that's sort of the starting point for this conversation with Jeff. We talk about the roles that NFPA, Chemical Safety Board, OSHA were playing at the time. And the initial release of the Combustible National Emphasis Program, the NEP. Why that was needed, how it works, and what the process was to come out with that first release of the National Emphasis Program. Next week on the podcast, we will cover the second half of this fireside chat where we went through the recent release in February 2023 or re-release of the National Emphasis Program, why that was needed, what changes were made, and also where Jeff sees OSHA's involvement with combustible dust safety moving over time and what role he sees that they play. So without further ado, we will kick off this fireside chat with Jeffrey Wanko, Director of the Office of Chemical Process Safety and Enforcement Initiatives at OSHA in the United States.
1: Well, so we'll go ahead and get started. So this is a bit different. Guy said we sound good, so that's perfect. We're calling this a fireside chat, I guess, Jeff. We started talking about keynotes and presentations that Jeff could give as part of OSHA past, present, and future for combustible dust, where we started, where we're headed, what's going on now. I realized that it might just be nicer to have, at the end of the day, everyone watching presentations for the last six hours, just have an open discussion about OSHA, about where combustible dust has been, the new re-release of the National Epsis program, the plan moving forward, and just open the floor for questions. So I do have a bit of a outline, I guess we'll call it the history where we're at today, the new National Epsis program, and what's coming down the pipe for people. I encourage you to put your questions and comments, not Jeff necessarily, but the others, put your questions and comments in the chat, and we'll just take this conversation where it goes for today. So by way of introduction, Jeff Wanko is, the Director of the Office of Chemical Process Safety and Enforcement Initiatives with the Occupational Safety and Health Administration within the US, OSHA. Jeff has a Bachelor's in Chemical Engineering from Syracuse University back in 1989, a Master's in Environmental Engineering from Illinois Institute of Technology. Spent the first few decades of his career in various industry roles, including environmental engineering, project management, and eventually moving into process safety engineering role within some companies involved in vitamins and nutritional products so that handle combustible dust. And maybe we'll get into that here in a second. Uh, Spent six years as an investigator with the U.S. Chemical Safety Board. From my understanding, and we'll talk about this as well in the moment, was involved with the development of the combustible dust hazard study that was released in 2006 um, in some way. Joined OSHA in 2011, had several roles there from safety engineer, the supervisor to director of this office, of the office of chemical process safety and enforcement initiatives and from understanding again and we will get into this his team is responsible for the release and enforcement of the national Office program on combustible dust so extremely well-rounded individual extremely knowledgeable combustible dust we had a phone call earlier I guess, late last week and I mean he walked me through his his career there and really fortunate to have have yourself here jeff to go through this fireside discussion so Thank you from us. Thank you for being involved with the conference. We appreciate it. My pleasure. So we're going to do an open discussion, past, present, future. And I think a good place to start, and again, audience, attendees, I know it's been a long day. I know we're absorbing a lot of information, but this is your chance. If you've ever thought, hey, I really wish I knew what OSHA was thinking about X (laughs) or how to get involved with Y or what to do about Z, we'll say. And this is the opportunity to talk about it. Jeff, before we get into kind of, I have enough questions to last an hour, so we'll try to cover as much as we can, but I'll try to keep us generally on track. What is the Office of Chemical Process Safety and Enforcement Initiatives? What's your role there? And then, you know, what role does this department play in combustible does? Good afternoon, everybody.
2: Just before I get to Chris's question, I did want to say one thing. I really want to thank Mr. Marco in the last discussion, because he said it early on, and he said. What I always want to say in conferences, when I'm talking, I may be the law enforcement guy in the room, but we're all here for one thing, and that's to make sure our, our workers go home safely, soundly, and get back to their families. I just can, It's never said enough, but it's our mission. It's your mission. And I just want to thank Bob for for saying that early on in this discussion. You know, we could, t- we could talk all day about engineering and get really down and dirty and, you know, let our whistle in, in design. And that's great. It's all about one thing, and it's about getting us all home safely and soundly to our families. So, thank you very much. I appreciate that. Now, onto my office. OSHA in the national office is separated into a number of directorates. My directorate is the Directorate of Enforcement Programs, which is essentially the internal consultancy for OSHA and the field offices. So, the Directorate of Enforcement Program essentially sets the policies for OSHA and how we enforce the regulations and the standards that we have. There are a couple other offices within my directorate. There's say the Office of Health Enforcement. So they're the industrial hygienists. So we have the Office of General Industry. They're the general health and safety people. A couple other offices, my office, I've got a number of things. So I've got a staff of engineers who handle what's called subpart H. So everywhere from container and compressed gases. all the way through 1910-119, which is process safety management. Buried in there is combustible dust. It doesn't neatly fit because we'll get to it. There is no comprehensive standard for combustible dust, but in there, because combustible dust falls somewhat into that process safety mindset, that life cycle of process safety, the, the expertise falls into my office. I have a few other segments in my office as well. I've got uh, statisticians who work on OSHA performance data and evaluation of programs. I've got a, a staff who deal with programs that don't necessarily fit into one of those other subject matter expert offices that I mentioned, like health enforcement and general industry. So, if it tr- sort of if a issue sort of transcends offices, it comes to my office. So, things like the severe violator enforcement program that some of you may hear about, or corporate-wide settlement agreements. These things can can be overarching and hit many different standards and regulations so it comes to my office. I'm the director of the office. I came up through the ranks as a process safety engineer within OSHA. Once I uh, joined OSHA in 2011, after my six years at the Chemical Safety Board, came up through the ranks and now I direct the office. I've got a great staff, three engineers, who work on the process safety side and combustible dust and flammable gas and flammable liquids, Rick Hartung, Liliana Silvera, and Jonathan Russell, who are fantastic and eager to help. So we do not go out and enforce. That is the role of our compliance officers at the area office level. We offer our assistance. We offer the national office sort of approach and vision on things, if the, if the area offices need us for a specific technical consulting or a review of cases, they come to us, but generally we don't go out and do that uh, that level of enforcement that's left to our, our compliance officers. That's just a quick, uh, quick nuts and bolts, a uh, very 30,000 foot view of my office and what we do.
1: No, I appreciate that. And so, if I heard you correctly, then I, I think it's yourself plus three engineers on your team and support staff that are covering some elements of process safety and combustible dust, and then providing the direction, the policy, and the strategy for the compliance offices from the that are in the different um, area-based offices that are going on doing enforcement activities. That's correct. Yep. That side. That's that side of the office. Yes. So I kind of had as a second question, like what's the role then of, I mean, I understand the policy and the strategy of that, but what, if, if we had good, like what does good look like with your team and the compliance side in terms of of combustible dust, what role do you see OSHA playing in there? Um, Cause I'm going to eventually ask, well, how can we help support that role more in the future, but just setting it the frame of things, you know, what's the role of OSHA that you see in industry?
2: Wow. Well, that's a, uh, and uh... It's a really broad question. Certainly, we can look at it for the purposes of combustible dust, but OSHA has a very broad mission, one of the largest in the United States government, uh, given the number of resources and the number of establishments that are out there for inspection. So, we have about, uh, federal OSHA has about 900 inspectors for the country, and that covers 26 states. The balance of the states run their own programs. And we've got, you know, several million workplaces out there that need inspection, and many different programs and priorities that that tug at those at those uh, resources and those inspectors. Combustible dust through the emphasis program, through the dust uh, national emphasis program, right now is obviously it's one of those because we we certainly value the preventive inspections for the low frequency high consequence events and as we could all recognize dust and process safety incidents are those low frequency high consequence events when they occur they get a lot of press and we don't want them to occur Mm -hmm. so our system this emphasis program system is designed to get our compliance officers to industries to establishments where combustible dust hazards exist prior to the incident. Of course, we do go post-incident, but what would be good is if I'm only going on planned inspections and not those unprogrammed inspections related to complaints and fatalities and, and incidents. That, to me, is good. That means we are having an impact both from the interaction of the compliance officer with the establishment, with the managers at the establishment. But frankly, the threat of inspection, and this may come up again, but the threat of inspection is real. And it does just that. It has abatement effect for establishments that may be inspected. So showing that there is a real chance of inspection of a given facility, and the list of the list of NEICs codes is right there in the NEP, listed there for everybody to see. If you're on that list, your facility is targeted for inspection. Where they fall in that targeting, I don't know, but there's a real threat of inspections. You know, that's the law enforcement view, if you will. But what is good is when we go out proactively and work collaboratively with. The establishment management and get to abatement. If we identify hazards, yes, you will receive a citation or the violation will be noted. But what's important is that we abate those hazards. That to me is good.
1: Yeah, I think that's a really great, a really great framework, right? So if we think of OSHA responding to an incident is maybe the pointy end of the spear. Yep. The spear. It's been a long day. Um, <laughs> if we can get OSHA on the ground and interacting with sites before an incident happens, but while they're in that development of, um, you know, running higher risk, that's a really good outcome. And then I'd see the national emphasis program, your team's work as, as, okay, how do we strategically get that to happen? How does the NEP need to change in order to get officers to the right site? And you mentioned the threat of inspections Another piece. I I would also give OSHA immense amount of credit in that. I think there's an education role there as well. Like the, Yep. The type of the, the combustible dust poster has been shown, I don't know, I've probably shown it a thousand times myself, but the other type of educational components have been created over time is another key component of that. Have we missed anything else in the sort of framework that we're, we're building for how change is made? The
2: other thing that I forgot to put in the, the outline was the OSHA technical manual as a teaching tool. So uh, one of the things that OSHA has available both for its compliance officers as well as the regulated community is a technical manual. For the more, you know, the more robust and more difficult, technically difficult and technically challenging inspections, there is a manual. And just, I think, two years ago, we published the the combustible dust chapter in that manual. And one of the things that we did for the NEP is uh, the original version of the NEP that was released in 2007, had a lot of the basic, you know, the teaching stuff about uh, combustible dust, the basics of combustible dust, all of that was taken out of the of the NDP and put into that OSHA technical manual. So that's out there for anyone to read.
1: That's public. Yeah, and there's a number of other the firefighting response manuals, very good um, yep. and and a bunch of other useful, I mean, it's all useful, but you know stuff that we point to quite a bit in terms of the educational component for combustible dust. I want to, we're getting some questions in, which excellent. Keep them coming. We're going to cover new NEP, old NEP. I don't want to set the groundwork because it's not all the time that I get somebody here that both worked with the Chemical Safety Board during this time and, and now is with OSHA. So let's, let's go back a little bit in history and I'll keep us on track. In 2003, there were three, there were probably more than three, that's supposed to be, that's three, but three notable ones Hayes Lemmers, West Pharmaceutical, and CTA Acoustics. And then that was followed by a 2006 kind of dust hazard study. Just to get some context, you know, what was your involvement within industry at that time? Then as you moved into CSB, what was the kind of environment that you were coming into with that role when you moved into working with them?
2: Yeah, so in 2001, I joined Roche Vitamins in New Jersey as a process safety engineer for the facility much of the work there was was process safety They you know, lots of flammables, chloroform, you name it, it was a they had everything. But one of the things that they also had with uh, vitamins was combustible dust. Some vitamins, as everyone here knows quite well, are organic solids and are organic po- uh, particulates and can combust. We also had some metal, catalyst that was also combustible and dried. So I quickly had to become a combustible dust expert for the facility. And I, I see uh, Mr. Mr. Guy Colonna on here. Uh, got in touch with him and joined the NFPA 654, 655, and 91 technical committee back in 2002 to learn and be a representative of the users of all the equipment both the all the engineering equipment and a user of combustible dust i felt it was necessary for someone like me to be on that committee so that took me through 2005 when the facility was, was shutting down most of its operations and it was time for me to move on and i moved to the chemical safety board in october of 2005. so when i joined the chemical safety board Obviously, my my experiences my experience was known to them. And at that point, CTA Acoustics, HazelMers, and West had all been issued as reports, but they had just begun the idea of doing a full combustible dust study, hazard study, and sort of doing a lot of research into the issues related to combustible dust regulation and combustible dust hazard abatement in the United States. So I joined that team. My primary purpose at that time was hazard communication. OSHA's Hazard Communication Standard 1910-1200 and how safety data sheets fit into the education of floor facilities on the hazards of combustible dust. What I did there was probably read a good thousand SDSs. Everywhere I could find them on the web and through manufacturers and looking at how combustible dust hazards were addressed in safety data sheets. lo and behold, at that time, they weren't well addressed. It was either not addressed in the safety data sheet or was addressed generically this, you know, in fine form in in, in particular form, this may combust some type of language like that, but nothing about. You know how severe the explosion may be if a a solid article is processed and divided up into small particles, no information on downstream use. So that effort that I led led to a recommendation to the ANSI standard for safety data sheets to and require some language in safety data sheets for dust combustibility, whether it be, Actual data, you know, obviously when we're dealing with dust, that is a lot different than it is would be for a flammable liquid because form, moisture level, you name it, particle size all change all the characteristics of a dust uh, explosion. So, so not necessarily data, but at least language that this in fine particular form can combust and this is how you can identify that as a hazard. So then, you know, obviously we saw in 2006, the uh, the hazard study being released by the CSB, obviously the recommendation that, I'm, that we made to the ANSI standard, but also the uh, numerous recommendations that we made to OSHA to both issue a, combustible, a comprehensive combustible dust standard, initiate a national emphasis program or what they called the a special emphasis program at the time on combustible dust enforcement. So it was an important study and they got it right. The problem is rulemaking on the OSHA side is, is extremely difficult. And, you know, we can talk about that in, in a bit. But the fact that OSHA does not have a comprehensive combustible standard, you know, is a historic artifact. Back, you, you look back to the early 1970s when the OSHA Act was problem and OSHA was given two years, to adopt national consensus standards, industry standards, without having to go through the uh, Administrative Procedures Act. It seems like it's an oversight that a combustible dust standard was not added to the set of OSHA standards, the 1910 standards at the time. NFPA 654 was relatively mature, just like NFPA 30 was at the time. 1970, there was a new edition of NFP 654, yet it was not adopted. Why? There's no idea why. It wasn't resources. There's only so much that OSHA could do at the time as it was being stood up. Think about having, having to stand up a national agency in two years and all the activity that goes into that, both the just the logistics of finding office space for everybody around the nation as well as setting standards, there was a lot to do. So, uh, you know, going back and saying it was a mistake is is not really fair, but it appears to be. You know, it just appears to be an oversight.
1: Is that the time scale at which the grain handling standard did make it into nineteen ten? Is that because it? No, okay, that's something different. Okay, we'll never get to the re-release of the NEP here, but this it's good. It's good context and background. I did not appreciate some of these, you know, developments historically. Or combustible dust. So we have we had the yeah. chemical safety boards. The two thousand three instance, We had two thousand six combustible hazard study. We had a number of recommendations out of that. Um, an SDS recommendation. Every 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 seven years, we bring up SDS as a, a really critical thing. And then uh, I'm not sure what the yeah. outcome was for from the recommendations made, to Nancy. But yeah. I, I don't think anything's changed. Yeah. I- <laughs> Um, so that's, and it's funny, I get an email yeah. every, I'd say every three, to six months, somebody emails me and said, oh, I have this great idea. We just get on SDSs or material safety data sheets and we're, we're set that way. We have, we've tried a number of times. It hasn't worked yeah. yet. So but SDS recommendations, NEP, national yeah. emphasis program, comprehensive standard. Let's just touch on the NEP first. That was the thing that's, that's been put in place and, and made sure. it now. What was the goal of I mean, we we covered kind of one goal. The NEP was to get inspectors out to sites beforehand and target maybe at high-risk sites so that we can prevent incidents before they happen. I guess, is that the the reason of the NEP or what was the reason of having the NEP and how did it kind of get set up from there?
2: Just a kind of a discussion, a a little broader discussion of of OSHA enforcement. So it may surprise some people that OSHA just can't walk into a facility and inspect. We have this... uh, We have this constitutional thing called due process in the United States. You know, as a law enforcement agency, we have to follow uh, the due process clause of the Constitution, which means we have to have a reasonable cause to enter. There are a number of ways we can get that reasonable cause. One is a complaint comes in, a formal complaint comes in from uh, from an employee, and they allege a violation of the act. We get a referral from another agency, the law enforcement from the media saying that there is a problem at this facility and we can, and we can enter. Those are called unprogrammed inspections because we don't know they're coming. The other side are programmed inspections and that's where we have the emphasis programs. So much, much of the reason for an emphasis program and for it to be written is to establish due process to say that these industries or these establishments have or are suspected to have this hazard, whatever it may be. So we have emphasis programs on trenching and construction, falls and construction, silica uh, exposure, combustible dust, process safety management. These facilities have these known hazards Therefore, it is our responsibility as the Occupational Safety and Health Administration to enter this facility, provided we do it in a random fashion. So each emphasis program has a randomness uh, factor built into it. We can't just pick and choose establishments that we walk into. It has to be random. So with that, when you look at the two, the two big emphasis programs that I manage, which is the chemical, the chemical process safety National emphasis program and the dust national emphasis program. They are both about the same thing. They are getting to facilities before the low frequency, high consequence incidents occur. That is the goal that we've already talked about. Obviously, the emphasis program sets up the due process, sets up why we are in this facility. Uh, then the narrative of the emphasis program gives the instruction to the compliance officer how to do the work, what to look for. So you'll see a lot of detail in the Combustible Dust National Emphasis Program on the equipment to look at, the electrical equipment, the process equipment, et cetera. Where to take samples, how to take samples, where to send the samples and what tests to do from our Salt Lake City uh, Testing Center or Technical Center, excuse me. So the, the Emphasis Program just sets up that whole process. It also, finally, tells the regulated community that we're coming. It gives notice. It gives the regulated community notice that OSHA could walk into your facility tomorrow and open a combustible dust inspection or any inspection under an unemphasis program.
1: Okay, well, let's let's walk through. So we had that NEP release in 2007. Turns out there was a re-release quite quickly. Um, We can talk about why. Uh, and then, yes, then it's, I guess, been 13 years or so since that re-release and it's been now re-released. Not everyone that's listening. Yep. If you're, if you're on our newsletter, yep. you probably should have got an email that it's been re-released just in February, but I want to walk through how it's changed and evolved over that time. So let's talk about the first re-release. What caused the NEP? Oh, actually let's even take a st- step back. Cause we talked about mm-hmm. why it exists, but you know, how did you choose what went into sure. the original NEP and what kind of nasics codes we were targeting? and in that let's cover the ground there and then how it's evolved since then. Yeah. So we do have questions coming in on why certain aspects are in the new NEP and it's probably good to cover right. why were they in the old NEP to begin with. I was still with CSB
2: when the first version the first two versions of the NEP were released. My understanding was OSHA combed through its accent database and found a set of industries, NAICS codes or SIC codes at the time maybe where we had incidents so we had then we collected those and said all right this industry potentially has an incident had an incident therefore facilities in this in this NAICS code have uh, a potential for an incident therefore they go into the must inspect list so at the time there were two two appendices there was d1 which was the the must inspect list and then there was d2 which is can inspect list Appendix D two was just those that were suspected of having a hazard. I am
1: not sure how that list was developed. Sorry, in the new version, we got rid of that. It sounds like it may defeat the random approach. But yes, um, anyway, we're we're not critiquing the past. We're just reporting on what's happened.
2: Still, the list of it, uh, the list of establishments within those codes would have been randomized for a given area office. So that still has a random quality to it. Yes.
1: So then we created the list based on yeah. sort of experience within exactly. the loss that's occurred within maybe the United States and maybe elsewhere as well. I don't know if we know how. Um, why did it get re evaluated?
2: So then, shortly after release, then uh, Imperial Sugar occurred. Um, and everyone knows the Imperial Sugar incident 14 fatalities, a devastating incident. And in my understanding, sugar refiners were not on the list and so very quickly the list was revised to include sugar refineries very quickly many or most of the sugar sugar refineries were inspected under the program imperial sugar facility in louisiana that was you know they opened a a osha opened an inspection there uh, shortly after the explosion but that was the primary and only reason that i know for revising it in 2008.
1: And if I have to insert a little bit of editorial comments to our discussion, not, not critical of anyone in any way, just saying that having this, if so, if you're listening to this and you're from another country and you're have influence on their process of developing combustible safety, if you only narrow it to your country's loss history, then as soon as you have an incident, that's a new incident, then you're going to be revising your emphasis. Like that, the fact that we chased in after pure sugar, and then update it that way. It's almost a symbol of of having a narrow scope yep. for the first. Um, and again, just editorial comment. <laughs> so if you're looking, yeah, that's why I like a global database. Just and did anything change in the other side, the inspection no. process, or was no. it really just the target industries that like we were looking at? Yep. That okay. It. That was it. And so then that's been relatively fixed since 2000, like 15 like, 13 yep. years yep. or. or 15 years. Yep. Um, What's caused then this most recent re-release of the National Office Program? How did that come about? Same sort of question. Did we change targets and then inspection and the the how-to part of the NEP? Has that evolved at all?
0: Okay, so this is Chris here, and we are jumping in to cut off this first episode in this fireside chat with Jeffrey Wanko, Director of the Office of Chemical Process Safety and Enforcement Initiatives at OSHA. In this episode, we covered the history of OSHA and combustible dust starting back in 2003 with the U.S. Chemical Safety Board's investigations of Hayes-Lemmers, West Pharmaceutical and CTA Acoustics. We talked about the involvement of NFPA, Chemical Safety Board, OSHA in combustible dust at this time, the release of the initial combustible dust national emphasis program in the United States, why it was needed, how it worked, what the process was, we talked about how the inspection list was created. We talked about instructions to inspectors, the educational materials that have been released by OSHA, and much more in this episode. And next week of the podcast, we're coming back on and going through the second half of this fireside chat with Jeff, discussing the re release of National Emphasis Program here in February of 2023. So, just a few months ago at the time of this recording, at the time of this release. We're going to talk about why that was needed, how that process was achieved what was actually put in the new NEP. And then we'll talk about as well, some questions move forward with OSHA's involvement with combustible dust. So as always, I want to say thank you for listening to the Dust Safety Science Podcast. We'll be safe same productive week ahead and I appreciate everything you do in interest handling combustible dust, making them safer with the work that you do out there every day.